It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. You know what that means. Time for another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skyler Sig Daddy Sigmund, joined by J.O. What is up, man, my man? Hey, hey, hey. Glad to be back. How you been, man? I've been all right. I've been doing all right. Lots has, ha- lots has happened this last two weeks. This episode, though, is dedicated to the two-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite. Last week was the two-year anniversary of AEW Dynamite episode. And we'll get into that stuff here in a little bit. Uh, and uh, some other news and notes from last weekend. Some crazy stuff happened this last week. Lots of lots has happened, like I mentioned. The Inspiration, formerly known as Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, have signed with Impact and will, will appear at Bound for Glory here later this month. That, that That's a really good pickup, I think, for Impact Wrestling. What do you think, Joe? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't mean it as a dig, but any time Impact gets wrestlers with, you know, already recognition behind their name or former name, I mean, it can't do anything but help them, the ratings. And I thought they were so underutilized in WWE while they were there. Like, I don't understand. They, they, were, com- they were comedy gold for the most part. They were so entertaining as a group. And then they split them split them apart, and that just, everything went <gasps> downhill. Unfortunately, that seems to be the same song that's always sung with tag teams. Underutilized, split up without a plan, and then they go somewhere where people are confident that they'll be used better. And I think that's a pretty good landing spot for them. Like I, I think that they'll do well over an impact. They'll probably win. They'll probably win the impact uh, women's tag titles. They'll, they'll definitely win those at some point or another. Or another. Oh, for sure. But uh, GCW this past weekend, Game Changer Wrestling, the highest indie promotion around. Uh, they announced at GCW Fight Club this past Saturday that they will have a show in the famous Hammerstein Ballroom, New York City, January 22nd, 2022. That's big. That is huge for them. Remind me the significance of that? ECW. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Lots of influence there. <laughs> just a small little promotion, you know, used to do their shows there. Yep. Uh, just a revolutionary company did a, did did some shows there. But the video package they did to uh, Brett Lauderdale, uh, Brent, was it Brent or Brett? I, I screw this up. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Brett. I had it right the first time. Brett Lauderdale like told everyone to watch this video package and he watched it. They watched it and they were talking about kind of like stuff that's held them back. People, like people what people say about them and stuff. Like they had different superstars that uh, super different wrestlers say that. I don't know why superstars is ingrained in my freaking brain. Thanks, WWE. But different wrestlers were or like even the promoter Brett Lauderdale, the guy that runs GCW, was saying like certain things people would say about them or whatever, and then kind of like look at us now. We're doing we're doing the 
freaking Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And it was like a video of them all like looking around the building and everything. It was it was dope. It was a really good video. And uh it's gonna be that's gonna be a big show for them. I would say with just the draw of being in that venue, the history behind it, it'll be great. And and like not only did ECW hold shows in there, Monday Night Raw was in there for a while. And when they called it the Manhattan Center. And uh, their uh, Ring of Honor held their held like final battle there all the time. Uh, ECW as well. Uh, Impact Wrestling was holding shows in there at one point too. But that's a big big move for GCW. That's cool to see for them. They they had a show this past weekend. They had two shows. They had GCW Fight Club and Aftermath. Fight Club. Uh, Thunder Rosa showed up to pris- participate in a scramble match, which was wild. Uh, she got a huge pop, by the way. Uh, Leo Rush, both AEW wrestlers, both a- Thunder Rosa and a- uh, Leo Rush, both a- AEW wrestlers, uh, he surprised everyone to wrestle in a three-way against uh, recently released from WWE Alex Zane and uh, Ninja Mac. And then after a six-man tag match, 11-time, 11-time, 11-time Ring of Honor tag team champions, Jay and Mark, the Briscoes, came out to t- challenge the current GCW World Tag Champs Second second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matt Justice. And it, that that was pretty cool, too, because I'm like, holy shnikes, man. That's some pretty crazy crap. And then Mick Foley came out to cut a promo before the world title match between John Moxley and Nick Gage, which, which was the most anticipated match of the weekend by a mile. Um, but he cut a promo. And if you listen back to our... Uh, episode talking about uh, well not talking about Mick Foley but I if you listen back to episode where I discussed kind of the uh, the Mick Foley comedy show I think I might have mentioned that he only drops one F-bomb per show mm-hmm. he did drop an F-bomb here and uh, he said both said from the bottom of my heart F Matt Cardona <laughs> and Matt Cardona is the most hated heel in GCW right now and uh, Mox later on that during the main event, uh, he retained the GCW title against Nick Gage after he hit a paradigm shift through glass in a wild match. Kind of ended, it felt like too suddenly, but still, it was a really solid match. Lots of blood, lots of violence. Mox's back was torn up during the match. Gage took a bump through glass and a barbed wire board, like right at the beginning of the match. Which was just yeah. setting the tone for the for the match, and both used the pizza cutter. The pizza cutter came out. They sliced each other's heads, and I think they did the spot where remember if you ever watched the Dark Side of the Ring, the Nick Gage John Moxley mouth spot where they put the pizza cutter in his mouth, and that happened uh, during the match too. But it, it's certainly interesting, wild stuff. Like the Forbidden Door is—it's just freaking wide open. Like anything can happen anymore. You don't even know who's going to be here next week, who's going to show up at GCW. We all know it's Ring of Honor. Oh, got the door open. Open was part of the Forbidden Door. They—they they haven't been really part of that at all until now. I'm saying that's what you know the fans want. You know, it's like everyone always knows. The biggest thing people love are these crossovers. I mean, they got the Marvel movie crossovers, but it's almost the same thing. We got these WWE superstars. That, well, 
not, I guess not WWE, but we got these wrestlers, you know, that we people see as these superheroes, and we just want to see them these dream matches go up against other people in these other promotions. And it used to be just that, just dream matches. But now, like you said, with the forbidden door open, it could it could happen. Anything is possible now. Anything, anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Garnett says. But yeah, it's it's so it's such a cool time in pro wrestling. We're gonna talk about multiple forbidden doors being open probably during this uh, episode because we're gonna talk about top moments, matches, like what we thought was been what's been great for from AEW for the uh, their two years they've been on TNT uh, AEW Dynamite to be very specific. We'll get into those moments, matches, promos, all that jazz. Here in a moment, we're going to talk about this week, as this past week's AEW Dynamite, the second year anniversary. The Elite, and during the episode, defeated Jungle Jurassic Express, Christian and a Christian Cage and Brian Danielson in a eight-man tag match. Sammy Guevara retained his TNT title against a newly signed Bobby Fish. Darby Allen defeated Nick Camarado. Serena Deeb defeated Hikaru Shida, and she turned heel actually, preventing Shida from her 50th win. And the biggest news coming out of that was Hangman Adam Page showed up to work. <laughs> and he won the casino ladder match, earning a shot at Kenny Omega's AEW world title. The pop, the reaction for that when Hangman came out as the Joker was in freaking sane. So I was probably running out of PTO. That's why I decided to come back. Yeah, they talked about it on Being the Elite. They gave him like a letter and he was like reading it in his own he was reading it to himself as a narrator and then he was kind of breaking the fourth wall the way he was talking and it it was just freaking funny because like you've ran out of all your 200 hours or 300 hours of this this and it it, it was pretty funny but page wins he's going to get a shot at kenny omega's aew world title and i think this is going to be it we are finally going to get omega Page and Omega is going to lose the title to Page. It's going to be the crowning moment at Full Gear. I hope that's the case. <laughs> you think it'll be a clean win, or you think it'll be shenanigans? There's got to be some kind of smoke and mirrors going on. The elite's got to get involved. Somebody's got to come out and help Page, and then evens the odds, and then Page overcomes Kenny and wins the title. It's the big celebration. Streamers, everything. Beers are gonna be fl- beers gonna be flowing like water, and all is gonna be good in the world of all elite wrestling. Oh, sorry, it, you're good. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think it'll be a good. I don't want to. I mean, of course, Kenny Omega still has so many years left in him, but. I can't think of a better phrase than passing of the torch. And if you can think of one, go ahead and say it. But it'll be good for uh, Hangman Page, Page for his career and his character. And I think they it was definitely a long build. And I, I do th- agree with you. I think this is where it's going to happen. It's got to happen. Actually, the pay-per-view was named for something Page said one time. That's the It's literally Page named pretty much the pay-per-view. Like he said, it's like full gear on like – being the elite one time, and that's literally the name of the pay-per-view is Full Gear. It's like, I thought All Out was going to be the time, but Paige, has ha- had a ba- Paige and his wife had a baby. Completely understand that. 
congrats to Hangman Adam Page on being a dad. And but he's gonna get it. He's gonna get his here sooner rather than later. And people can stop crapping and moaning. All right, I got. I gotta get. I gotta go on my soapbox for two seconds here. People can Uh-oh. get off their freaking rockers. Get off their high horse saying, "Oh, AEW's champions are all WWE guys right now." Oh, look at the tag. Look at the champions right now. All right. Okay. Britt Baker, not a WWE person. Uh, Kenny Omega, not a WWE person. Uh, Sammy Guevara, not a WWE person. The World Tag Team Champions, Ray Phoenix and Penta, not WWE people either. So once Paige wins it, they can, they can all shut up about that in the elite, like dominating the show and be happy that all these kind of page was grown a little bit in ring of honor and new Japan, but he didn't get his status until coming to AEW and initially fans weren't digging him. But once he got that beer swelling, anxious millennial cowboy gimmick going, he was going to, he, he shot up to the top. So people can stop crapping, giving a stop crapping on that and giving AEW crap for that. Cause it's kind of a moot point at this, at this juncture, but all right. Time to celebrate two years of AEW Dynamite. Jeremy, J.O., what is what is one thing that's stuck out to you so far in this two years of AEW Dynamite? Man, two years. That's crazy. But I'll, I'll start with the most recent ones, the, de- the debuts. Like, I mean, we see a wrestler leave a promotion slash retire. And you know, we think that's it. You, you know, they may have some left in the tank, but you know, that's not our call. They want to leave. That's cool. And you know, we think that's it. But get, getting to see them come back, and the reactions they get, the crowd reactions are the best thing, or one of the best things about professional wrestling, in my opinion. So seeing the the uh, debuts of, of course, CM Punk, legendary return, legendary debut, historic. People are going to be talking about that forever. That was on Rampage. <laughs> yeah well i mean aw so yeah you're yeah you're fine they, since they came on television yeah. pretty much yeah i got gotcha. you yeah. yeah um and it, i just think because i when i made this list i didn't want to make okay my top mo- moments were like debut so i kind of just lumped them all together and these are like not even top. They could be just an amalgamation of moments right. and everything. It's it's not going to be like, oh, this is top whatever, top whatever. It's just moments that have stuck out to us pretty much. Right. Um, Sting, we thought we he we he'd be gone forever. Luckily, I mean, some people thought he should have been gone forever, but he still wanted to come back. But he's doing his role really good, really well, I should say. Helping build new characters. Yeah. Brian Danielson, him. We talked about the Forbidden Door being open. Him debuting in AEW is going to give us so many of these opportunities. I mean, we already got one when he went up against Kenny Omega in an amazing match on free TV. I should say at AEW yes. Grand Slam, the first ever show at Arthur Ashe Arena. Exactly. I say that's the first thing when I think about why like AEW is has to be the the de- the debuts and the second chances that some of these uh, wrestlers get. 
It's it's incredible. It is honestly incredible. And Brody Lee, I got to talk about some other debuts. Brody Lee's debut and Matt Hardy's debut on the uh, pandemic. It was the debut pandemic episode, March 18th, 2020. While there were no crowds, it was still very memorable in that fact that there was this was supposed to be in Rochester, New York, which was the anniversary show, I think not anniversary show, but it was like two weeks ago, I think was where Sammy Guevara won the TNT title. It was in Rochester, New York. That was where that Brody Lee's debut was supposed to happen. That's his hometown. But it was really cool to see Brody Lee introduced as the exalted one. It it took like but when you watched being the elite as it went along. And it turned it, the Dark Order into this comedic, hilarious group. His segments were the, like, you make you keel over laughing every single week with uh, that. And it helped Dark Order so, so much. Because you, we both, we watched the, I think we watched the debut of Dark Order on uh, AEW Double or Nothing. And we're like, what? who are these people? Mm-hmm. Like, we were just kind of like, okay. And they were kind of like a fart in the wind for a while, and then once that they, he got they connected, it really that 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 group took off. And yeah, that was that was one thing that stuck out. Um, uh, some other like we'll talk about some matches too in this. Uh, I was gonna go over some promos. Mm. Like I have some promos that have really stuck out to me too. Like Reese, most recently. I gotta talk about Arn Anderson's Glock promo. That, that might be the greatest promo I've ever seen in my life. That's that's hyperbole, but still, I never thought Arn Anderson in 2021 would become a meme. Armed, An- armed Anderson, armed A- Arn Andersons. I think Conrad Thompson came up with a shirt said Arn Anderson and had the had the Glock in an R. Like in the shape of an R, splattering bla- splattering brains on concrete since 1982. I was like, this is this might be the greatest. This is just this is fantastic. I I, I can't even. Arn Anderson's o- over in 2021. I say the savagery. You don't. You won't see a promo like that in WWE. No, he That's- like is like he's like. Oh, you know what's different? The two main differences between you and I are. You somebody comes pulls up with the side of you, takes yanks you out of your car and says, "Give me it." You'll just say, "Don't take take it. Don't hurt me." You know what I do? I pull from the waist. I grab my Glock, put it up to his forehead, and splatter his brains all over the concrete. It's like, damn, Arn, Arn ain't effing around, man. He ain't messing around. Period. say i actually yeah i i mean unless you had more but i have, I have I, a few promos yeah yeah i have some more but you can go talk, you go next i'd say one of my favorite uh promos that i saw in aw has to be the lexicon of le champion with chris jericho if you remember that one. Oh my gosh i do a little i do remember a little bit of that and he was like, yeah, list is like list is stupid or whatever. That's pretty. I think he said that during that. Right. No. It, it it's funny when that you know acknowledge like their past gimmicks and everything because when he held up the lexicon of the champion, it's basically a clipboard just like the list of Jericho. But when he heard the crowd reaction, I just loved it when he said, "Cause like, come on, guys, like, 
stop living in 2016 when of course he was doing his list <laughs> his list uh gimmick with wwe which was his, one of his best gimmicks ever best gimmicks ever and it's just it's one of the reasons why chris chris jericho's a goat he can just read off a list like literally it was he's literally just reading off a list and there are some funny things in there how uh he said he mentioned angry uno and then like evil trace stupid dose or whatever stupid dose yeah and it's also kind of funny how he mentioned some wwe guys um like oh, i can't code, remember like, <sighs> see aj styles like alan jones yes <laughs> and uh we talked about hangman page he was talking about people you know that who couldn't uh go for the title he had at the time and of course one was being uh john Mo- he kept dropping john moxley's name every like yeah, other sentence moxley's name like five times uh, it, it was just a hilarious uh promo i always every now and then if i need a good laugh i'll just search that promo up it was just so funny there was also one where like they were introducing everybody from the inner circle and they were talking about we the people they were chanting for hager he's like mm-hmm. that was a stupid idea from bad creative I was like, damn, Tris. I remember that one. Um, there was Cody's impassioned promo before his uh, Lone World title match against Chris Jericho at AEW Full Gear. Uh, it was November 4th, 2020. Like, he talks about how he wouldn't challenge for the AEW World title ever again. He made that declaration. The reason being his role in management and why he put that stipulation. That's the reason why he put the stipulation up. And, like, the passion and everything he provided in the promo and talking about how AEW's given wrestlers freedom. He blasted Jericho's upbringing, being very similar to him, because Jericho insulted him, saying he grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth, and well, Jericho grew up with the, the exact same uh, silver spoon, because he's the son of a former hockey player. And you can find, and he's like, you can find this all in his book, found on Amazon for $3. <laughs> and he talks about the end, uh, not being about the dead, but being about the living, it's about his mother, his sister, his wife. In the 14 years, it took for him to go from undesirable to un-goddamn-deniable. Like, the passion he showed in that promo, that's his best promo he's cut his whole entire time in the company. I'd say, he, Cody Rhodes just has so much, I mean... Of his dad in him. Yeah, I was going to say, and... You know, he set out to build this promotion and he's giving it his all to make it succeed. And you could see that in that promo. And speaking and, of and speaking of Dusty, it's his birthday today. Is that right? Yep, Dusty Rhodes' birthday would have been today. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes would have been uh, 70, uh, 76 today. Rest in peace, Dusty. American Dream, but yeah, he, he like he he can Cody can really cut a promo. His dad could cut a promo. If you've ever watched the Hard Times promo, holy, but Jesus, man, that like he cut a promo not not to that level, but that it was freaking phenomenal. The Rock even commented on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, if The Rock is talking about your mic skills. You know you're doing something right. Yeah. And I think that's the that's those are like the promos that really stick out to me. Those those two really like stuck out. 
Uh, for one of the other promos I have is, of course, from Chris Jericho. This one has a special place in my heart because it was from the show that you and I went to when AEW was here in Indiana. Yeah, it was fantastic. By that was oh, that was that was a good promo. Uh, you can talk about it here in a sec. Talk, you can talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. And it was uh, Scorpio Sky uh, and Chris Jericho. I said it was a while ago, so I had to make sure I was, I'm getting the details right, but. Scorpio Sky gave Jericho his first loss, right? Yeah, it was a pinfall loss in a tag match, I think. Yeah, that, yeah. And uh, Scorpio Sky was telling Chris Jericho how because he pinned him, like his life's been so good and all of that, and how, uh, what was the name, Melanie? Yeah, Parsons. his girl Melanie texted him. Yeah, was like, oh, my high school sweetheart Melanie Parsons texted me and all of that. And, <laughs> and like, Chris Jericho goes back to him like, and I've seen Melanie Parsons. She's gained weight since high school, and I just lost. And then Scorpio was like, "What?" He yeah, he goes what? But I think he also retorts with saying, "You know, he likes a little meat on his women." And it is such a fantastic promo. It just the reason I love Chris Jericho is his delivery of his promos. His uh, his uh, the way he says the the lines like. I've seen Melanie Parsons, and she's gained weight since high school. It's, it reminded me so much of the way he used to just go, you know what? You just made the list. It just the way he says it just it. it that's another one uh, one of the promos where if I need a good laugh, I just look it up on YouTube. And he also, I think he was taught. He was kind of just like goat baiting like Jericho the whole entire time. Scorpio was. He was right because he wanted a, another match for his title. Yeah, he was so one. Of, uh, they, yeah, they were setting up a match for next week. The next week, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because Scorpio Scott was saying something. How? Uh, I think he was doing something like, "I was like, oh, I probably couldn't beat you even if I had eight months of training, and then, or six months of training." And it's like, "Oh, you think you need eight months of training? You don't even get two months of training. In fact, you don't even get a week. You get next week." <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. And then also from that show, we could talk about mats and like matches here here in a second. Um, but like we watched the Moxley Darby Allen match there. That was really good. Oh god. That was the main event of that show. I think that was my first uh introduction to Darby Allen and I almost imme- immediately liked that character. Like someone said he was uh he either is on his way to or could be said he's already is, but the Jeff Hardy for this generation, just putting his body on the line. Like, he, he like, does it to another level. Yeah, day in, day out. Like, my God. Like, he came out in a body bag. Mm-hmm. They carried him out in a body bag and everything. It, that was pretty dope. But uh, Oh, my God. It was insane. There, here's another moment. Uh Okay, let's talk about this. Let's just talk about the forbidden door. Like forbidden door moments. So one of them, like the I think the like the major one that really kind of like kicked things off was because there's been this like thing between New Japan and AEW not like working together all that much. But on February 3rd, 2021, Kenta, formerly known as what is it? I, was I can't remember what his name was Hideo Tommy from WWE, but, but he's most well known as Kenta. Kenta. From, 
Oh my gosh, you blew out my ears for a second. But uh, he opened up, he came to AEW on a show uh, after uh, the the Elite defeated Moxley, Phoenix, and uh, Pac in a six-man tag. He jumped Moxley from behind. He's like, oh my God. It's like New Japan and AEW are working together now, kind of, in a way, or they're allowing people to come back and forth. It, it was wild. And say so I think it's good. Another one of the reasons why, you know, having these promotions is awesome is because through no fault of his own, Hideo Itami just unfortunately wasn't able to do a whole lot in WWE because when he was on NXT, he just kept getting injured like consist- on a consistent basis. And seeing him... Be- uh, have that other opportunity with New Japan and then now AEW, I think it's just great. Mm-hmm. And another one, another Forbidden Door moment, Minoru Suzuki wrestling John Moxley on AEW Dynamite. While that was short, it was under 10 minutes, that was still freaking cool as hell to see Minoru Suzuki wrestle on Dynamite. I say, and you think of, like, when you say that, you said he was wrestling on AEW Dynamite. Who would have thought you could say something like that? Not me. The Paul Rudd meme. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. (laughs) Look at this. But, no, it's just crazy. I love the fact that, you know, these forbidden doors. How many times do you think we've said forbidden doors this uh, episode? Probably about 15. (laughs) We're going to say probably a couple more at least. I know people kind of starting to hate that term, but it's kind of, it's the term that's used a lot. So, it's accurate. It's accurate because this is, hasn't been happening in wrestling for a long time. Because there was one show in town. There was one show in town for the longest of time. And now there's like one major show in town. Now there's a bunch. Uh, another one of those moments includes Jericho versus Nick Gage in a death match on national TV. A part of the five labors of Jericho. July 28th, 2021. Like they, after I think it was Jericho, the first labor was uh, Jericho defeating Sean Spears. And then MJF gets on the mic afterward, cuts a promo saying labor number two, the most violent, the vicious. It was like whatever in professional wrestling, blah, 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 blah. Nick freaking Gage. Like, oh my God. And if you're like a, and you've you've at least heard the name of Nick Gage. You've heard of him. You, you like in the Dark Side of the Ring. I think came out before that point. But you know, like you have at least maybe if you're like a, not like a casual wrestling fan, but if you're like a semi, you pay attention to stuff wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard of the name Nick Gage, and you're like, oh my god, what did Jericho just get into? Like, in this death match, dude, Jericho takes a freaking pizza cutter to the arm immediately. Like, two seconds in. First of all, I didn't even know you could use pizza cutters like that. That was uh, definitely something to see. And, yeah, the match itself was crazy. And one of the reasons I love AEW is because, again, you won't see a match like that in WWE. And we know why, PG, all of that, nah, 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 nah. But AEW is, I think, really good at bringing stuff like that to the forefront to casual wrestling fans because you know de- death match death matches has a it's a niche. niche yeah niche yeah audience 
you have to be into stuff like that. And some people don't try it because they don't think they would be. But once they watch it in that aspect, uh, in that regard, it could turn you on into a new and completely new world of wrestling. Yeah, and like I, I was not like a deathmatch fan for like ever. And people call it garbage wrestling, but I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a genre of wrestling. It's here to stay. It's getting bigger and bigger now. If you, if you notice with the emergence of GCW, uh, like this was crazy. Jericho getting hit with light tubes, taking pizza cutter to the head. Like, they went they did the pane of glass in the ring, too, where Jericho Hurricane Ronda Gage threw it. And, like, Gage talked about this. Like, not only did this give him a platform, like, did this, he, like, he wanted to work with Jericho. Like, he that was a dream of him to work with Jericho. I listened to Jericho's Talk to Jericho episode with Nick Gage, which is his latest episode, and he talks about that. He's like, I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to wrestle Jericho, or kind of like along those lines. But like, what happened after he wrestled Jericho? His Instagram followers shot up 10k. Like this, these are giving people that don't usually have that opportunity, like don't like they don't have get that kind of exposure every day. This was Nick Gage's first nationally televised wrestling match, like his first televised wrestling match ever. And he got it against Chris Jericho, got to showcase what he does, and maybe expose some new people to deathmatch wrestling. That was the close. That was the most deathmatch thing they could possibly have done. They pushed the they pushed the envelope for national television for that, that deathmatch, but it was definitely worthwhile. Oh, absolutely! Like it, it was incredible. Like I I got a hat. Jericho, I'm like you, Jericho didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he never did. He didn't need to do that. And like, speaking of people getting opportunities, we got to talk about these guys. So Cody last year, when he won the TNT title, he did this open challenge every single week or whatever. He like, he got people like the independent wrestling champion at the time, Warhorse, to get on dynamite. He got Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks were a part of that challenge. You know what happened to them? They got signed. Yeah. Signed full time. Yeah, signed full-time due to their performances in those TNT title matches. Opportunities coming to these different wrestlers, it's just fantastic. Like, it, they give AEW gives people opportunities, and if they knock it out of the park, we're going to sign you. We're going to value you. We're going to use you. And if you notice, those guys have been used quite a bit since they've been signed. Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston, those two names to jump really jump out to mind. I think this goes back to that impassioned promo you talked about how Cody was saying AEW gives the wrestlers freedom. He he's coming from a place of experience and you know of course WWE of what they how they treat their wrestlers the stuff they do to them and he knows that's not what wrestlers want or need. So that was definitely one of his main missions when he created AEW and I would say he's succeeding. Yeah, certainly. And uh like and not only this like the uh Forbidden Store stuff, there's also evolutions of characters we've seen over time on Dynamite. Like, first off, Britt Baker, that's a huge one. She was a baby face and she was not over at at the beginning. But when they turned her heel, holy moly, she just skyrocketed. And same thing with Hangman Adam Page once he found himself. Those guys, they evolved into characters and becoming the most over acts in AEW today. They had that freedom. 
sometimes in WWE, if you don't, if you don't hit your stride right away, they might just either give up on you or not these days they might just cut you. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's certainly that's uh, <laughs> unfortunate, really. But uh, you, do you have any matches that stick to your mind? Oh yeah, one was I forget when, but uh, Pac versus Pack versus Omega. I think that was a third. Was it the thirty-minute Iron Man? Yes. Yeah, I, think I actually that... missed that. I missed that one initially, but it came up on my uh, YouTube feed because it was on YouTube full match, and then I just read the headline like, "Hold on, they have a, they had a match on TV, and I can watch this right now, like without not on pay per view." And when I watched it, I mean, again, we've talked about it before, but when you just say two names in a wrestling match and it's it was awesome. You know it's going to be magic. Yeah, and, and uh, it definitely was. Um, there like and these are like more moments, matches that kind of stick out. Well, well, one match definitely sticks out to me is Danielson Omega. That's that's just an obvious one. Just a just a little dream match that finally came into reality. Um, Brody Lee's squash win over Cody to win the TNT title. That was such a shocking result. And it led to a uh, dog collar match that was fantastic, which becomes more famous as that was Brody Lee's last ever match before he passed away last year. The dog collar match Uh, between him and Cody. Yeah. One of the things I put on my memorable thing was that beautiful, beautiful tribute that they did for Brody Lee. That was was the best tribute show I've ever seen. It was, wow. I I don't usually cry – like I, it takes a lot for me to cry most of the time, but I was like, I'm literally like wiping my eyes, like I'm like crying during this episode of Dynamite. I'm like, I was like, I can't believe this. This has moved me so much that it's just special. It was so special what they did, and so great. And it's just, it was a testament to how special Brody Lee was that they did all this for him. And, and of course, and, you know, we saw the things from WWE as well. And it just really tes- uh, was a testament to how an amazing person Brody Lee was. Yeah, yeah, like he was like a great professional wrestler, but the person he was behind the scenes and everything, like far eclipsed whatever he contributed to AEW because he was such just a, such a great human being as well as a great professional wrestler as well. And the, the sight of Hit Brody Jr., Negative one holding the TNT title at the end of the episode it was like, oh my gosh, this, this, this hurts. <laughs> yeah. Pulling at your heartstrings. I think Jericho said, if it's okay to cry, it was like it, he said it was okay to cry on commentary that night. I'm like, you're damn right. It's okay to cry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, there was uh, also another memorable match that Malachi Black and his. Like debut match, I don't know if it's his debut match or maybe a second match or so. He'd squash Cody like, like a bug. I think first of all, I, th- I love it that he's able, able slash willing to put his new talent over like that. Like, I love he, that. Part. He, and Cody, even though he gets crap for being kind of in the spotlight too much, he puts people over a lot. <laughs> And he knows the best ways to do it because he's, you know, at the time he's 
he could still be considered the guy for AEW. And then shows he wants to launch these people to the moon, and he does. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to bring you guys in, and you're going to beat the crap out of me. We're going to put you over huge early and make you a big, big deal. And uh, Malachi Black's been a big deal ever since he's gotten there. Mm-hmm. Like, his entrance, super cool. Like, it's his, his uh, mask he wears coming in is freaking dope, too. Because it's it's what a a, a deer skull I think with a veil, or, it, it, whatever it is, it, it it's awesome. It's it's so good, so so cool. And uh, like, there's another thing that sticks out to me too that like it's it's a superstar's it's a wrestler's performance, a wrestler's performance throughout his time on AEW Dynamite. Ray Phoenix, anytime he is on the television. It is must-watch wrestling. It is must-watch. Because the way he moves around the ring, the way he maneuvers on the, on the top on the ropes, it's just unfreaking believable. And like he puts out great matches every time he's on TV. It's it's ridiculous. So talented. I think what he would he wrestled at the show we went to, didn't didn't he? Yes, he wrestled, and he, I think he lost. Did he lose? I think he lost. No, he he wrestled Nick Jackson, didn't he? It was him and Nick Jackson in the opener, and that was a really good match. Yeah, I said, I said for, when, that first time at AEW, that was a, an introduction for me to a lot of the talent that they have over there, so it was really awesome. It's, yeah, I had to remember. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was Nick. It was Nick and Ray in the the opener. Okay. Because Penta wrestled on Dark the prior to the show. I think he wrestled Trent. I think. Yeah, I, I think, think that, he, sounds right. that sounds right. I think I remember. I think that's what it was. But I know Ray and because Nick Nick Jackson never wrestled singles matches, hardly ever. Like he he wrestled yeah. one this last uh, week ago or so on Rampage against Brian Danielson, but like he hardly ever wrestles. The Bucks hardly ever wrestle as singles, but that was Phoenix. Every time he's on TV, is just steals the freaking show. But uh, yeah. Anything else stands out? Uh, match wise, that was actually a perfect thing we talked about because this was one of my. Probably my most recent memorable one was when uh, there was the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in that steel cage match. Mm. First of all, it was a great sta- uh, steel cage match, great match, bloody awesomeness. And I also remember that because, you know, they brought out the uh, Jordan 1, Travis Scott fragments. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I'm kind of a sneakerhead guy. So That, ca- that came from, uh, that was AEW All Out, I think, but... Yeah, they, the Bucks and them put on always put on great performances. <laughs> um, I think that was the last match one I had. But yeah, they ever since they've come on network television, it's well, TNT. They've put on some freaking just oh my god. So the matches, man. There was another match that stands out to me. It was a street fight. It was a parking lot fight uh, between the proud and powerful, proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz against best friends Chuck Taylor and uh, Trent. Like this got five. Meltzer gave this five stars, and Meltzer does tend have a tendency to give AEW a lot of leniency on star ratings and stuff. Kind of buy it a little bit biased towards that. It's all subjective. All subjective. Your 
belief in a five-star match and his belief in a five-star match can all be different. Just don't rely on his take. Make your own. But it was a really fun street fight between those two uh, teams. And uh, there was... It, it was really good. Really, really brutal street fight. It was like, if you remember the Eddie Guerrero-John Cena street fight on SmackDown that one time, it's like that. It was in a parking lot, cars surrounding. It was wild stuff. Wild, wild stuff. But uh, I think the last moment, I think it's the way that this we should close it out is this way. The last most memorable moment, memorable thing from AEW Dynamite in the first two years, the most important thing, I mean, that's what I meant, the most important thing that happened with AEW Dynamite in the first two years was the debut episode, October 2nd, 2019. Because we wouldn't be here today without that. Absolutely. Historic. I That's the only way I could see it. You think you look back at what AEW has been able to do in such a short amount of time. It's insane. Like they're doing all these, all this, all the talent they're getting, all these matches they're putting on. Their pay per views are doing crazy numbers. It's all within two years. It's crazy to think about. And we wouldn't be here, like certainly without it. Because I think the first match on that show was Cody versus uh, Sammy Guevara. That was the opening match on AEW Dynamite. And look where we are now. Guevara is now the TNT champion. It's just, it's just amazing to see how far we've come over two years. Like at first, it's like okay, they're not going to last. People say, and guess what? Two years later, they're thriving, like thriving. That's Put, putting it modestly, but yes, thriving in a thousand percent. They made up more ground than anybody that's get, been against WWE in a long time. They have made enough. They they well, the the thing is the big thing they did is they made NXT revamp their whole entire show. That had a lot. That has to have a lot to do with it. And Vince, it must have been. It must have ticked him off that Triple H's NXT lost to, to AEW on Wednesday nights. He's like, damn it, if you can't do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to move this to back to Tuesday. I move it to Tuesdays. And we're going to just recreate the show completely. But can you, though, Vince? Can you do it? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, like, and also, looking at AEW, they, they even though it's like, oh, the demo, the demo, the demo. Like, even though it's not, like, a huge deal, it's not – they're not actually beating WWE in the, the ratings completely, but when they beat them in the 18 to 49 demo, that's that's pretty impressive to say for a show that has a almost 30 year head start on on AEW like Monday night. Well, do they compare people compare Monday Night Raw and AEW Dynamite even though they're on separate nights? But they want to look at the demo and see how it compares. AEW's beaten them a couple times in the demo from 18 to 49 on that show. And that's a pretty hard demographic, isn't it? That's that's the demographic for advertisers. Yeah. Between that those ages. And WWE tends to skew like especially like recently with NXT it skews older. Like they can't get young people to watch for some reason, but I don't know, but AEW has brought me so much happiness in this these first 2 years cuz I I don't think with that I think without AEW I'm just being 
honest here. I don't think I would be into wrestling anymore. That's a pretty bold statement. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm being flat out honest. Because W, not, and this is just me. Honestly, WWE's kind of like killed my love for wrestling for a while. At, like with the last, especially the last year or so, they were just, it was like, do you, what are we, what are you doing? It's like, it's not wrestling anymore. It's not been wrestling for a long time, but like, I understand sports entertainment. They're, they're a sports entertainment company, not a wrestling company, but like the, like the decisions they were making and the TV they were putting out week after week was just like, is there, is there anything, is there anything left in wrestling that's good? And I found this, which has certainly been helpful and it's helped me discover new avenues of wrestling uh, including deathmatch wrestling, even like, even though I have watched, I watched the Cardona uh, Gage match before. It's like, okay, I want to watch Nick Gage more. I bought the GCW show this past weekend because I was curious to see John Moxley and Nick Gage go at it. Like that has brought me new app, like brought me to new avenues of wrestling. It got me watching Impact at one time for a little bit. Like Kenny Omega talk winning the title and going over to Imp saying he was going to go to Impact and talk on Wednesday. I was like, oh my god, what? Back back in December last year, it got me watching wrestling. Got me like wanting to tune in and see what's going to happen. Like that when wrestling is unpredictable, that it's that's it is when it's at its best. Instead of seeing rematches every single week, wrestling at its it's when wrestling's at its best is when it's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen the next week. That's what WCW brought us back in the day too. Even though I didn't I watch the say. show, even though I didn't watch the shows, but. <laughs> Why were the Monday Night Wars so exciting? Why were they so good? It's because there were two promotions having to put their best out to beat the other promotion. And for maybe, what, 20-ish years, when WWE was the only dog in town, they they didn't have to put their best. They were on top. They were fine. They could put out crap, and they'd be like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Like, what else? Like, what other wrestling are you going to watch? Can't say that now. Again, like you said, it's the whole demographics, and is this an actual competition, or is it just something the fans are creating? Like, do the people at AEW or do the people at WWE even see it that way? Whether they want to admit it or not, I kind of feel like they kind of do. They have to, because they they want people to watch their product, and WWE wants to still be WWE, so they're. Even if they don't intend to, they're reacting to it. Because um, I'm pretty sure what they debut Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch, not debuted, but brought back Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch the, the night following when CM Punk and Adam Cole debuted? Yep. No, CM Punk. Just CM Punk. CM Punk? Okay. All right, that was a few di- different ones. But, man, see, so many debuts in a row. It's hard to remember which one's which, but that's not a coincidence. There's no way that's a coincidence. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's not a coincidence <laughs> at all. Okay, Brock, we're up. Uh, Vince, do, 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 do. damn it, Brock, we need you back. They brought CM Punk to AEW. We need you. Damn it. I don't care if you have a ponytail. Come back. <laughs> I don't care if you look like a, like a lumberjack. Come back. We need you. 
We need to feed you to Roman, the head of the table. Bye, damn it. I'm pretty sure, I'm positive that's how that conversation went as well. And he was, Brock was probably sitting there at his farm and he's like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, well, fine. fine, I'll come back. He's been on TV quite a bit in the last few weeks. So that's interesting. But yeah, the he's WWE has. His own promos. Yeah, he's cutting his own promos now and everything, which is pretty yeah. cool. Brock, Brock doing his thing. Hey, I, I'm, I'm all for Brock cutting promos. Uh, but anyway, that's not the point of this episode. We were talking about AEW, but yeah, WWE does some react. I feel like they did react to that, what AEW does. And, and you know what? And I think, and the funny thing is, AEW is more focused on themselves than they are. They're not focused on WWE. WWE, I think, WWE is, I think, worried at times about what AEW is doing. They're doing stuff in reactionary measures. Also, Big E winning the WWE title. While a fantastic moment, I am so happy for him. I wanted him to win the title for freaking ever. That was a freaking reactionary move. I just felt it. <laughs> Like, it, it, I was just, I'm like, I, that just felt, because it does, because Big E just announced, like, out of the blue, oh, yeah, I'm cashing in tonight. I'm like, what? Huh? It just felt so random. And they brought back, the, they put the Hurt Business back together just randomly, too. Say so maybe he's got a WWE sweating in their boots, whether or not WWE wants to admit it or not. And it's not, it's not like the ratings are even close, though, really. Right now, Raw is still winning right, yeah. pretty easily, but I'm just saying they're trying to do stuff that will get. And they, the draft, which we'll talk about here in a second, we'll we'll go over that. But it, yeah, it certainly has changed things up a little bit, shaken things up a little bit. But AEW Dynamite over the first two years, great wrestling show provides a great alternative for professional wrestling fans, and actually provides a great number one for professional wrestling fans. If that if that's what you like, high-octane, high-speed TV, because the AEW Dynamite is a fast-moving show. Two hours goes by so fast, and it's an enjoyable show pretty much every week. And look forward to hopefully many, 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 many more years of this show, uh, year of this of AEW Dynamite to uh, come in the future. I'm saying maybe, who knows, in Five, ten years, we'll be doing a video just like this. Like, what are some of your favorite moments in the last five years? It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, oh Lord, that'd be that'd be wild. Wild stuff. But we, we talked about the draft here recently. We mentioned just a moment ago. Our next episode next week, J.O., can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of what we'll be doing next week? So we like to be topical over here on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. So with the draft that's been going on in WWE – and it should be taking effect by the time we put out the next episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it'll so, be like a little few oh, days yeah. afterwards, so. Oh, a few days after? Okay, okay. But, yeah, we're going to take a look at the rosters, see how they look, and maybe even give our own ideas of where some of these wrestlers should have gone and what prom maybe even in different promotions if they had the opportunities to. So we'll just analyze the draft, see how what we think, how it went. Yeah, and this should be a lot of fun, really. Because I've looked at, like, I saw a couple of, like, rounds of the draft. I'm like, huh, they're skewing stuff more towards this show than the other show. I think they may be trying to appease the network a little bit because somebody's mad at somebody. And uh, it should be interesting. It should be a heck of a lot of fun 
to uh, break down here in the coming weeks. Well, here in the next week, here next week on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, which that episode will drop on Tuesday of next week. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, Jo. Oh, I'm excited. I I relish the opportunity to prove that I'm smarter than Vince McMahon and I know how he should run his business. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a time. Hope you all listen next week. Uh, before we get wrapped up here, J.O., f- drop the socials. Where can people find you? All my socials are the same because I lack the uh, creativity to come up with different ones. At Jeremy Ordas, all lowercase, one word. All right. Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can find Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok even. Uh, posting, I post videos of micro brawlers with uh, entrance musics, entrance music, uh, pickups, latest pickup, including my Andre the Giant pickup, which is a huge addition uh, to my collection. You can find that on my TikTok at Sig Daddy Wrestle. Also on Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle and Facebook at Sig Daddy Wrestle as well. And on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to give a little bit of a nice knife edge chop to that follow button uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to, you can leave a review of the show. It's greatly appreciated. Love getting feedback on the show. What can we do different? What can we improve upon? What do you like? I like to hear what you like about the show as well. So make sure to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you do a review. But until next week, this is Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund with J.O. signing off. Leaving you with this from Scott Steiner. The great, big, bad, booty daddy himself. The numbers don't lie. And they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. Have a great week, everyone. Take care.